Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. This is your host, Sabria Mills, and um, I'm super excited um, to have uh, one of my own mentors here on the line that um, is going to drop some really important knowledge on the topic of maintaining our mental health through stillness. So I'm going to introduce him. Um, this brother is, you know, although he comes from a very cultured background, um, diverse background, he's a graduate of Columbia University, um, where he received his master's of social work. Um, and he specializes in a variety of different forms of, I guess you could say, emotional well-being. He's trained in cognitive behavior therapy from the distinguished Albert Ellis Institute. And he's done a lot of work in regards to like domestic violence and working with inner city youth and um, drop-in shelters for the homeless. And he's also pretty well-versed in educational counseling as well um, and training teachers. So he's pretty well-versed. I personally um, got to, mashallah, experience one of his workshops. He's done a lot of them. But he did one in Atlanta, and it was years ago. Um, but it really touched me personally, just because, like, at that time, I was going through a pretty rough time emotionally, and he just really spoke life into just, um, you know, just kind of balancing yourself out emotionally. And then it was also like a little bit of like consciousness there, which you know we all need, mashallah, as people of color. So I just wanted to welcome you, brother Nasir Alamin, to the show. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikumsalam. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, so yeah, so I would love for you to expand a little bit on the intro, um, introducing yourself to the listeners and um, telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a, a phenomenal uh, intro. Um, and, and so, yes, graduated from Columbia, uh, uh, great experience working um, as a counselor within uh, the New York area. Um, but more importantly, I think the, the Columbia degree just allowed me to have certain uh, credentials to move in certain circles and, and say certain things. But uh, the best credentials comes from, as you mentioned, growing up in a challenging uh, uh, environment. So I am, as uh, you know, I've shared with you, the, the product of a a home that was uh, unfortunately rampant with uh, verbal and physical abuse. So I witnessed that growing up. Uh, and when I ventured outside, I saw the the horizontal violence, the, the violence of uh, us against each other, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, imposed mm-hmm. on us. So, um, yeah. and so, so that, that, Growing up in that experience, growing up during the crack era, that um, is the real credentials. That's the real thing that uh, the later degree just uh, solidified for me to be able to move in different circles. So uh, what I do is I bring both of those to the conversation. I bring that passion to um, the workshop that you were in and the different uh workshops that I've given internationally um, and everyone that I work with. Right. And you own a company called Align and Defy, correct? Right, right, right. Yeah. So I started a company called Align and Defy because that's that's 
that to me is what I think we have to do. We have to align ourselves with our goals, our values, and our purpose, and then defy uh, defy the odds, defy the naysayers, defy the haters, whether that haters, the haters be external or internal, right? Because sometimes we are the biggest hater, right? We are the biggest obstacle sometimes is the, the thoughts and the beliefs we hold, those inherited beliefs that we get from culture, from family, from movies, from songs, from mm. 600 years of oppression. So mm-hmm. those are the inherited beliefs that influence that horizontal violence that we see in our neighborhoods that we then get blamed in the media for, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah, that, so that's the aim of the company, mm-hmm. Align and Defy. And, and hence the work that I do with people, one of the first assignments. So as you mentioned, I'm trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, which is uh, particularly uh, REBT, the first cognitive behavior therapy. And one of the, the things that I do in this model, when I use this model, is we give assignments, right? So we do, we have a session, but in between that there's assignments given so that that's where the real work comes in. Right. So when you go, I, I, I help you understand your emotions and give you some techniques. And then after that, you use that. So when your children are not responding to you, they know how to push your buttons. How do you then respond in a manner of annoyance rather than anger or rage when your spouse comes home and wants to take out the uh, frustrations wow. that he has at work and then he comes home? How do you then again respond in a constructive, helpful manner? rather than responding in a manner that may be right, that may be justified, but may not be constructive to your goals and your values of the marriage or the relationship. So that the time in between the sessions is the time where we give assignments. And so one of the first assignments I give people is to establish what your goals and your values and your purpose is, because that's critical. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the, and so to give your audience a technique, that's one of the, the a technique you can always use. Whenever you're in the moment, take a pause, take a couple deep breaths, and then question, is what I'm thinking, feeling, and saying, and doing right now in line with my goals, in line with my values, in line with my purpose? If the answer is no, then that that is an indicator right to you that you need to do something different. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we don't want short, we don't want short term. Um, we're not we're not aiming for short term gratification, right. right? And in this time of COVID, this is the thing that we have to make sure we don't fall, or we try not to fall into the trap of. When we come into this era of COVID nineteen, and we may not have come into it with the best coping strategies, and now when we have this additional stress, this additional burden we fall back to those old coping strategies that aren't helpful to our goals and our values. So my goal is to get through this COVID-19 thing. But my coping strategy is to self-medicate, to watch Mm -hmm. TV um, in a non-constructive manner. What is a non-constructive manner? Meaning that I don't get anything accomplished that I need to get accomplished throughout the day. Right. Right. So how do I respond to whatever the challenge is uh, in a constructive manner towards my goals, my values, and my purpose? So that's the technique. Mm -hmm. Always ask yourself, is this right now, this thought, this feeling, 
is it in line with my goals or my values? And if not, do the opposite. Or if not, do more thinking about your thinking. Because that's the thing mm. you can control. You can't control anyone else. You lose time, energy, and frustrate yourself. And if you're like me, you'll lose your hair, you'll be bald uh, for trying to control and change other people. Right? That's that's an emotional roller coaster that you can easily get off at any time. You can yeah. never control I'm anyone else. You can only control you. And the way you control you is checking your thinking. Right, right. And, you know, um, I mean, that's that's just powerful in itself. It truly defines what you do. And I want to really apply that um, to some of these um, questions that I have in a minute. But I did need to ask you, you know, our opening question, um, you know, which we ask all of our guests um, that come on the show because this is the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. And I wanted to know, what do you think makes a Muslim woman dope? Uh what makes a Muslim woman dope to me is the fact that she leaves me speechless. And I'm not, as you can see right now, and just you asked me one question and I went on for probably about 30 minutes to an hour just in that one question. I'm not someone who is at a loss of words. So if right, right. you have me speechless, which most Muslim women do, then that's dopeness. And and yeah, let me I mean, say, my, my saying that is dopeness is credible because I, unlike you, I grew up in that golden era of rap. So I know dopeness and classics. Um, so, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Mashallah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's definitely, you know, like I said, original answer. Um, I, actually, I actually think it's like, you're, I don't know if you're playing it safe with that answer or not, but you know, I'll take it. I'll take appreciate it. it. But, it <laughs> but it's an original answer. So, mashallah, I appreciate you um, seeing something that's kind of left um, to interpretation. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, obviously this uh, majority of our audience is women. Of course, we definitely have brothers that listen in and they benefit, mashallah, and we appreciate them. However, I did want to talk a little bit about the emotional health of us as Muslim women. Um, and, and that's a big topic, right? So I, I think I want to start with just us being able to take control back over the way we see our own emotions, first and foremost, our own narrative. I think that's a very important thing or an important place to start this conversation. How do we begin that process? Yeah, so that's the critical piece. And, and it's something that I refer to as controlling the narrative. Well, there's this current uh, COVID uh, situation or any situation. The, 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 the essential piece is controlling the narrative. And, and I would even suggest, and uh, from my experience of working within domestic violence, it's critical, right? Controlling the narrative is critical because, again, like, the abuse, the verbal abuse may end when you go to work, but on your ride to work while you're at work, are you then clocking in and being the uh, tag teammate of your abuser by beating and trashing yourself up right throughout the day? Right. Um, and that's that's no, no uh, f- you know, fault or, or blame or anything like that. But it's just acknowledging that we control the narrative. Right. And when, as soon as we get in control of the narrative, then we're in a better mental and emotional space to make wiser decisions, whether that be to leave or to stay. 
uh, in that particular situation. And so one of the ways you do that is, is understanding emotions, right? Understanding techniques to use, right? Looking for evidence for what it is that you're saying, acknowledging and looking for the inherited beliefs that we have um, uh, within, our, within our culture and within our particular communities. Uh, that's a that's a critical piece. And um, one of the other things that is so I, I, I have these things that I, I share is called non-negotiables. Right. And, and maybe we can go later on in more detail if you'd like. But one of the most critical ones is unconditional self-acceptance. Right. That's being able to say that I love me. I love and accept myself without conditions. Despite what anyone thinks, feels, says, or does uh, to me or about me, I love me without conditions. And it, mm. that's that's the aim. That's the aim of where we want to get to. That there is no condition, there is no validation, there is no approval that then makes me venerate uh, and accept myself, right? Because we we often look for that in relationships and run after relationships for that validation. We, we determine that someone is significant to us and then getting that is then a validation of something about us, of our worth, our value. Mm-hmm. But that, mm-hmm. but that, that state, that mindset, that thinking process sets you up for the anxiety of getting it right. Mm-hmm. Him or her. You once, but then you have to ask because okay, then once you obtain him or her, then you have the anxiety of keeping him or her, and the reason why their anxiety with that is because it's not just him or her. Him or her is an acknowledgement of my worth and validation. Mm. Right. So mm. you've created the anxiety trap for yourself. And then when that person leaves, you're depressed because it's not because not so much that he left. It's because it says something about you that he left, which reinforces what was there before he even came in the picture, that there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Right. So he just ticked off one of the conditions that you already believed was there. But in reality, it's just a thought. And that's not to minimize it. Like thoughts are powerful. They're yeah. strong. Right. But getting in control of the thought, taking responsibility for the thinking is the part that we that we can do and need to and, and need to do. Mm, mm, mm. I can go further, but please. Yeah, uh, no, um, just, no, I mean, it's, it's really powerful because I think, you know, it's interesting that we're having this conversation because. I actually shared this on my story today. It's just really relevant. But I woke up this morning, you know, really reflective because, you know, I think and I wanted to talk, talk it through with you and I want you to share some perspective. But, you know, right now, you know, in the States, we're really dealing with a lot in terms of Corona. Right. So we're dealing with, you know, being quarantined, um, being away from work, being, you know, some of us are away from some of our critical relationships. Um, You know, some of us, you know, single, married, whatever the, the status may be, quarantine has put perhaps may have put some strain on it. But I was reflective of like, man, you know, not even realizing like waking up in feeling, having negative thoughts, like self-talk and feeling like in need of some type of validation and just being conscious of the fact of like, okay, you go out 
every day in the world, perhaps in the work that I do and the service that I do, perhaps I'm receiving some type of validation and I'm be, I'm dependent on that. And now that that's gone, I'm like con- like trying to check yeah. my own self. Yeah. I was sharing that to my story and, a lot, and I was surprised, like you should see my inbox from women. Like this has all happened today, like real talk. Like they were just like blowing me up with this concern, the same concern, like me too, me too. I share in this. So I wanted to talk that through a little bit with you and get some insight because it obviously seems to be a real relevant issue right now with us um, women. First of all, I would have totally not thought I needed validation. Like I just wouldn't think I'm that type of person that needed it. But just first of all, trying to understand this difference and understand our feelings about it. And then just like helping us kind of process like that need for validation piece, external validation, I should say. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I said, I'm sorry if it sounds like, you know, a heavy question. No, 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 no. It's, 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 it's real. Yeah. It's real. And, and, and it's, it's a pertinent question. It's a, it's a pertinent question because you're uncovering a belief that's been there that has been satiated, that has been satisfied. Right. Mm-hmm. through the work that you do. And now you're realizing that there may be some other things that were attached to the work you're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, that's uh, important that you, that you see that. Right. So this is one of the subtleties. Right. And, and I, I don't, I want to temper what I'm saying, like in terms of saying to people, find the positive because I hate, I don't really like this positive movement. That's another okay. conversation, but oh, yeah, okay. yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not about, because that can be subtly taken as negating the reality of certain communities. And for our community, reality is we've been in our assault since 1416. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like this is just, COVID-19 is just another expression of the assault we've been under, right? It just exposes the disparities within our communities, right? So European aggression against us, imperialism has has just shown itself in different ways. This is just one representation of it. So, but back to the, so that's why I'm not for the positive. I want a more nuanced look at it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want you to pull out the things that you have benefited from, um, but I don't want to negate your experiences. Because right, right. black folk been going through, you know, black women been going through hell for for a long time. COVID nineteen is just a different reflection of it, right? We've had yeah. to do this type of, uh, yeah. of of work, right? This internal work. But so um, I don't want to go off on a tangent. Let me come back. Um, <laughs> so 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 what I would say that is the technique that. Um, you know, your, your audience could use is this concept of uh, making a distinction between the doer and the doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the doer is you, it's your essence. It's, it's, it's uh, your worth, your value. Right. That's the doer. The doing is what you do. The interview, the job, the relationship, the communication, all of those things, the parenting skill, those are the doing. Make a firm stance every day that I will separate the doer from the doing. That's important because 
what what transpires is what I spoke to earlier. And so all these things are connected, the conditional self-acceptance in this particular concept. Because when I've attached my value to an action, so I attach my value to my job or I attach my value to work or an mm -hmm. interview, when I don't perform well, I don't value myself well, mm -hmm. right? So I think less of myself when I don't perform well at a given task. And that it so you see when things are going well, you get the relationship you want, you, you get the interview or you get the promotion you want. You think highly of yourself. You're on a high. Why? Because you've attached your value and worth to something that you're doing. And as long as you're being successful and that's going up, then your esteem for yourself will go up. Side note, this is why I don't particularly agree with this concept of self-esteem, because as your esteem goes up with the actions that you do or the relationship you're in, when the relationship ends or you get a write up or you lose your job, your esteem for yourself goes down as well. Because you've attached them together. The thing to do is separate them. So I'm a valuable, worthy person. I'm dopeness in its essence, despite how well I communicate, despite how well I get a promotion or don't get a promotion at my job, despite what others think, feel and say or do to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Did you see the kind of dopeness I kind of plugged I'm, in? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, just, I just want to know that you. Yeah, could, yeah, I, I totally it was, OK, OK, OK. Just want to just want to make sure you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm giving yeah, you a plug, you, you know. Okay, yes, there we go. You, you did, you did it well. Right, there you go. See, see, that's the essence of dopeness. There you go. So that's the thing. You got to separate the two. You have to separate the doer from the doing. And what mm -hmm. you'll find is, and it just makes sense anyway. Think about all the things that you do in a day, all the hats you wear, all the roles you play. So the role that you play as a parent, the role you play as a spouse, uh, whatever your title is at your job, whatever the roles are, and there's so many as a brother, as a sister, uh, as a mentor, whatever your role is, all the roles you do in a day, if you had a drop box for each role, there would be thousands of actions you do each day. And so yeah. technically what you're doing is out of the thousand, so just think of it like a computer screen. You got a, like a hundred windows open. But you're going to choose the 99th window and then one particular Dropbox in that window to be the judger of all of the windows. Mm. Right. So yeah. this window, that's my job, because I got written up for not being on work uh, at, on time or not submitting a report on time. Now, because of that. I judge myself or devalue myself or trash myself, meaning me in totality because of this one particular window with this one particular uh, aspect within this whole window. Because that even doesn't even make sense in terms of your job. So many roles you do within that job. Right. But you just take right. this one mistake. Right? And then that feeds into the other thing that your audience can do is acknowledge human fallibility. Right. We are divinely designed to be fallible human beings. That's by design. Right. That's and that's in line with you look at it from a materialist, secular standpoint. 
that the evidence is there. All humans make mistakes. So you look at it from a religious standpoint. We are fallible human beings. And so what we are doing is actualizing our design. So it makes no sense for us to trash ourselves and, uh, and, and, and think down of ourselves when we actualize our design. Right. And so you let me say, oh, so, so then how do I improve? You have the how, the how to that, the way you improve is by assessing the doing, not the doer. So I can improve my communication skills with my coworkers, with my spouse, with my children. That's a skill set I can assess, rate, evaluate, and learn to do better. I can't rate, assess, and label my worth. Right. 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 So you get you have to keep those separate. And, and and anything that you do in terms of the actions is fair game on the table. What's never fair game on the table is your worth. Mm-hmm. That's a non-negotiable. So when in any dynamic, any relationship, whether it be spouse, whether it be at work, your worth is never on the table for discussion or with yourself. Right. Your worth is never on the table for discussion. The only thing that you can assess, rate and evaluate is what you do. And it's worth it for you, for your goals that you've already established to live in your values and to live in your purpose that you've already established these things. It's worth it for you to then assess what you're doing because you don't want to immobilize. You want to mobilize yourself in a helpful way towards your goals, your values and your purpose. So that's why it's critical in the very beginning to establish your goals, your values, and your purpose. The purpose may come with time. You may not have that. But at least establishing your goals. And then that be that becomes the metric. That becomes a litmus test that you measure everything towards. Mm-hmm. And you have control of your goals. Hence, right. controlling the narrative. Controlling the narrative is I determine what my goals are. And I want long-term goals, not short-term goals. Hmm. You know, that's really, that's really powerful, but it does make me reflect a little bit about, you know, relationships. Um, for example, I think what you're saying, I think on a, I guess you can say just intellectually, I understand. I agree hundred percent. It makes sense. However, applying it and putting it into practice is a whole nother conversation, right? So I'm thinking, you know, a lot of us, you know, we may have done a lot of work on self. We may uh, you know, be able to identify our goals, like you said, identifies our values, our uh, our purpose, and then we get into these relationships, and then it gets fuzzy. So, um, especially as women, as women, we get into relationships, and it gets fuzzy. And um, one of the things I think, even personally, on a personal level, like I struggle with, is not really wanting to dis- disappoint other people, and so or or hurt other people, or to have people un- unhappy with me, right? So um, I think, and then that that causes a little bit of fuzziness. So how as women can we stay aligned to this? Because we can have it down pat when we're single, but when we get into relationships, it gets fuzzy. Yeah, I think the question to ask yourself is why? Okay. Right. What does it mean about you? Right. What does it say about you for you to uh, please other people? What are What are you gaining from that? Why are you doing it? Right. That's the thing you, you have to figure out. What is this? Right. And and I don't know. We haven't had the conversation, but the just for example, 
does it then validate you as a person? Does it then validate your worth that someone that you have deemed significant, that you want in your life, you were able to, to, to bring into your life, right? And does that increase your worth and your value? And if it does, then that's, that's problematic. And so I would suggest to you that, yeah, intellectually it makes sense, but emotionally it also makes sense because you don't like how you feel. Right. Right. right? So it, right. so whether it's intellectual or emotionally, you don't like it. So then it's, it, and so we never want to deny emotions. Right? Emotions are always valid. Right. Okay. And also, and always should be paid attention to. What we do want to question, though, is the thinking that underpins it. Hmm. And that's the part we question. Why do I need this person in my life? Hmm. Right. What what is it checking off for me? Mm-hmm. Is this person helping me towards certain goals and, 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 and helping me towards living in certain values and, and, and a certain living out a certain purpose? Right. You don't and not you in particular, but we don't like how we feel. So one of the things to ask yourself is what is it costing me? Mm-hmm. What is it costing me to do A, B and C? And do I like the cost that I have to pay? And that could be emotionally, emotional cost, a spiritual cost, a physical cost, a mental cost. Mm-hmm. But what is it costing me? And do I like paying this cost? The reality is I don't. So then it's worth it for me to to really do the work of checking my thinking and then setting up a plan and doing the alternative, doing the opposite. Hence, I am a firm believer of having uh, a checklist, having criteria. Right. Okay. Having a criteria for who you are going to. So look, let me be very uh, clear. I work with um, Muslims uh, in the States, in Canada, Mm -hmm. the UK, and uh, here. And majority of my client base is is women. Um, uh, As I jokingly have said to you before, women, when they sense smoke, will get help. Uh, my experience, again, it's different. With, uh, I'm not generalizing everybody. My experience has been that with men, they have to see smoke. I mean, they have to see the fire like on the couch next to them. So sisters just reach out and, and, and that's my client base. So I say that to say um, I'm speaking in the context of Muslim women who have decided that uh, they will engage in dating. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I want to just broaden the continuum. Okay. So as I work as a as a a coach slash counselor, I I may be Muslim, but I'm not in the business of judging. I'm in the business of helping you move towards your goals, whatever that might be. Right. So if there are religious goals that you have, then we can see what is the thinking that's an obstacle to those goals. But if that's not your goal, it's not my place to impose that on you as that should be your goal. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. so. So I, that's just the groundwork to say that when I'm saying this, understand that I will say relationships, marriage, I use that interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Also, let me say this as well, just to be on 
completely front of front authentic. Uh, I have clients who are, uh, I have a Muslim and Shia population of clients. Mm -hmm. uh, right. So a number of my clients uh, are practice uh, mutas. I have a number oh, of, okay. yeah, I have a number of my uh, 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 Sunni clients who engage in hidden uh, marriages and hidden polygamy. Right. Sisters. So let me, I just want to put like, this is the continuum yeah, that yeah. I'm working with. So right. with that being said, you have to have a criteria for whatever it is that you're engaging in. If your criteria is for me to even get for me to even engage in, in a relationship, and that may be a halal relationship, halal relationship, let's just assume a halal relationship for me to even get into a relationship. I'm going to give my, my information to this person for me to engage in that certain criteria have to be met right, right. for me to right. engage in a again for those who practice it for those who engage into a muta marriage these criteria have to be met for those that engage in polygamy polygamy these criteria have to be met for me to get into a a a long-term marriage nikah for my sunni clients these criteria have to be met. There has to be criteria there. It can't just be emotion. Mm -hmm. Acknowledge the emotion, but don't let it, don't be intoxicated with emotion that you make certain decisions that intellectually, you know, from previous experience that was, that was identified because you realized the emotion. One of the things to remember about emotions are the red flags. Mm. Emotions should be cherished and valued because they are at times a red flag. They're a red flag to let you know that you need to question your thinking. Right? And that's the technique we talk about in the, in the model of the three C's. You catch a thought, you check a thought, and then you change a thought. So you catch the thought that is producing that emotion. Yeah. Right? And then you check to see if it's helpful towards your goals, your values, and your purpose. If it's not, then you need to change that thought. And so coming back to your, 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 your question, there needs to be criteria. There needs to be criteria and there needs to be goals. And so when someone doesn't meet my criteria, I love myself enough to not engage in this, but still do the other things that are in line with my goals. However, it's complicated and it's hard to do that if my validation comes from having this particular person in my life. Mm -hmm. Does that make yeah. sense? De definitely. Yeah, yeah, it makes you, a lot of sense. Right? And see, so that's yeah. why you have to do that work of the first thing I started off with, which is the unconditional self-acceptance. Right. When that is not there, you 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 leave yourself open for some individual or institution to exploit that condition or conditions, whatever those conditions are that you have determined are the things that have to be checked off for you to be a worthy, lovable human being. Yeah. So so when you talk about this unconditional self-acceptance, which is a really powerful term in itself. Um, how do you start that process? Because a lot of us come in 
with our childhood baggage. And a lot of us are not even identifying um, that we, you know, we have a lot of internal work to do in regards to, you know, self-acceptance. Um, what does that process look like? So, I, so I think um, uh, what I would say to that in brief would be uh, inherited beliefs, right? Inherited beliefs. But before I would say that, I would, I would, I would say we have to invest in our emotional health. Mm, yeah. We have, you, you, you like, I, you, you know, a lot of time is spent on short-term gratification and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against, you know, spa treatments and vacations and, and all of these. I'm not mm-hmm. against any of that. That should be strategically a part of your self-care, not acknowledge, okay. not any disregard to that, but it may be a situation where you have to do one less vacation so that you can have consistent coaching, counseling sessions on a biweekly, monthly basis. Mm. Someone that can help you identify those inherited beliefs. And inherited beliefs, if I haven't defined it, inherited beliefs are the beliefs we have about ourselves and life conditions and others that go unquestioned, right? That we just got from our family, from society, from movies, from uh, just pop, just hip, just hip hop culture, just everything. All that we have just inherited, but hasn't gone through the filtering process. Mm-hmm. Those are inherited beliefs and those have to be questioned. Because those inherited beliefs, again, you know, I, um, you know, you turn on any music song right now, um, right. Or any music right now, and then it's going to say, you know, since you know, uh, since you left me, um, the world has been gloom, gloomy. My life has hasn't had value, and I haven't been out for three days, and uh, the world is about to end. Ooh, okay, that's intense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, look, you know, when people get in in, in the in the moment, you know, everything seems gloomy, right? right? I mean, look, no, no shout out to Mary. But that's real, uh, yeah. yeah, no shout out, no disregard to Mary, but Mary made her career off of those type of songs, right? Uh-huh. And, and look, yeah. you, you may not know who Mary is, but it's Mary J. Blige. <laughs> I know Mary J. Okay, good. Okay, okay, okay. Alhamdulillah. Okay, we got some common ground. Okay, so, um, you know, Mary, Mariah Carey, they they made, uh, I'm not going to say anything because I'm scared of the beehive. So um, they made their yeah. career off of this type of, you know, analogy, this type of belief system, right? And that belief system is saying that my world doesn't have, I don't have value if you're not in it. And if you leave it, my world is over. Right? And so that's, again, that's connecting the doer with the doing. And that's a condition. That is a condition. I'm of value when you are in my life, when you're loving me, when you're acknowledging my value. When you acknowledge me, then I have value. 
That's mm-hmm. an inherited belief because we just grow up. You think about it, kids are dancing and singing. I grew up on Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, so like these songs are, are, are just ingrained in us. This belief system is ingrained in us. Right. But Luther. Don't you, I don't, I don't want to interrupt your thought, but don't you also see a pattern of it ingrained in us in the Muslim community? And I can only speak to my experience. I grew up in a black, you know, African-American, black, you know, urban community. And, you know, there was a lot of things told to us of how we're supposed to be as, as women, as Muslim women growing up. And, and even just the notion of like, oh, you know, I mean, Oh, the moment a guy notices you, you know, oh my gosh, you got to get married. Like, you know, this idea of like, you know, that's, you know, that's how we kind of save her. And then it's like, oh, you got to make sure that you're like, do everything your husband says. It just was a lot of things taught that left a lot of, you know, us in that time frame with like, you know, broken marriages and all of that. And it's just, I mean, don't you see that that also has kind of rolled over into the Muslim community and how we rolled out Islam, even as black people that kind of came, you know, converted to Islam, sort of like. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, look, Carter G. Wilson, miseducation as a Negro. We've been miseducated. Again, we, we have to make sure we put our reality in its proper context. Mm-hmm. Right. We have been under assault for over 600 years. Right. Right. This is that is just one that is just one expression of the assault that we inherited some type of ideology from abroad, an expression of Islam that right now we, we realize wasn't the best thing for us. Right. Right. We inherited right. some beliefs from another country. That doesn't work for us. It may work for them. I'm, that's not my business. It may work for them, but it doesn't. Right. It, it doesn't work for us, and it didn't work for us. And that's an example of inherited beliefs. Because the reality mm-hmm. is, that isn't that isn't healthy or helpful thinking. This rush mm-hmm. to get married, no, right? That's not helpful. That's not that's not logical thinking at all. Mm-hmm. That's inherited beliefs, and now what we're doing though is we're questioning that, right? And what we're doing is we're questioning the inherited beliefs. So unfortunately, unfortunately, what transpired in our community is that we we inherited some beliefs from from others that uh, we ran with, mm-hmm. and our sisters, unfortunately, uh, and our and men as well, we suffered yeah. from it. Absolutely. Right. Well, I, be, I, because yeah, I, I'm want to temper what I'm going to say, but uh, you know, I I, re, I re, one of my one of my yeah, so yeah, yeah. So I would just say that we we as a we as a community have suffered from that, and we have to we have to we have to acknowledge that. And so let me say this. Let me go ahead. So this is what you know what anybody that's upset with what I'm about to say, please direct it towards the host because the host decided to have me on the show. Wow, so definitely. with that being said, <laughs> I remember one of the things when I moved to another state, one of the things that shocked me because I had just converted mm-hmm. back in okay. 2001. 
I, so I was right. fresh. I didn't know anything about the Muslim community. It, you know, it was the the vanguard, the giant, uh, the exemplar Malcolm who led me to Islam. I was reading his autobiography, and that's I didn't know Muslims. Um, so I was when I converted. I then moved to New York, and one of the things that shocked me was I met brothers who literally um, didn't have a job, but had multiple wives. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And again, Very common. And, and so let me say this, let me say this yeah. to my brothers. That's not a knock on you because I understand we are under assault. So let me, that's not a, a, a shot yeah, at well, you. That's a, nice, right. that's a nice thing. I guess as women, we, you know, we well, don't understand but, it. But, but I appreciate there's a, you there's another that. sentence yeah. to that. Okay. Just because okay. I understand it, that don't mean it's right. 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 Just because I understand it, I understand where horizontal violence comes from, why we hurt each other, right? And we won't look at who is the vertical assault on us. I understand that. I get that. That doesn't mean it's right to do it, but it blew my mind. It blew my mind that there was multiple women. And I'm not just talking about the, the people I met. They maximized. They had like three to four wives. And I, it just blew my mind. I, and so my point to you is this. Mm. It blew my mind because my, you know, my mother raised me. If you can't take care of a woman, you you don't she don't need to be in your life. You don't need to have no woman that you can't take care of. That that's Absolutely. that that's you know, that's our culture. That's us. Right. But we inherited something that just wasn't natural to us. And I'm not, and, and so I don't, and so where is this all going? The point I'm trying to make with well, before, this. Go I ahead. want you to make your point, but I have to ask the question. Mm-hmm. So you want to make your point first or can I ask the question? Because it's about what you just said. Are you going to forget the point? Because I might forget what I'm going to say. Um, you know me. I might. No, 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 I'm not going to forget. Okay. So go ahead, make your point. Okay. So my point, my point is to say the inherited beliefs we have to question. And 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 then with that, we also have to tease out the institution of polygamy versus how it is actualized. Mm-mm-mm. We have to. Because if we don't, we cannot, just like we're seeing right now with this COVID, our reality is different from other communities. Right. We, we we can't inherit this and and please don't take this as I'm like pushing polygamy. No. I'm not I'm not No, please push, just, but, just but, do it to me well. Yeah. But but we have to look long term. Right? We have to look long term. It may be that the brother who already has a wife that's established, that has the receipts, you can talk to his wife and see that he is a good man, a good husband, a good mentor might be better than you, better for you than the single brother down the street that got issues that he's not trying to work on because we all got issues, yeah. but he got issues right. and he's not trying to work on those issues. Right. We, we can't, we can't inherit beliefs that are so that don't work for us. And right now we have, unfortunately, too many young men and too many young women that don't have proper guidance. Right. Right. 
and that's just, but that's not limited to our community. Yeah, that's that's, and and you know, I I work in various countries, and different ethnic groups have the same thing. Arab, my Arab clients, my South Asian clients, you know, they have, you know, I, fathers abusive, and you know, now that's showing itself in her relationship with uh, uh, her children and her husband. Uh, I have that with Arabs and South Asians, right? So my point is to say. For us, though, we got we, we got to make sure we question those inherited beliefs and institutions. The institution isn't problematic. The people who actualize it, the doers may be problematic. Right. Right. You had a, a question. Yeah, I didn't want I don't want to go too deep into this because we're going to tackle this on a later podcast. But when you brought it up, I'm like, I just got to ask it. Um, you know, in regard, you brought up the. I'm about um, to get you it. Know, you were, Ooh, I'm about to get it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you were fascinated when you came into Islam about the brothers that had multiple yeah. lives and no job. Um, but you know, in our community, at least, I don't know how what it looks like in other communities, but in our community, um, there is a culture when it comes to this idea of multiple wives that sort of bashed over the head with a lot of women. And it creates, when we're talking about mental health, it really does create a space where women begin to really self-doubt themselves. It really impacts, you know, how the woman sees themselves. It also creates a culture at times, and I'm not putting it on the brothers, you know, I'm not putting it all on their shoulders, but I'm just saying what the, what these conversations kind of cultivate is a culture of competition, competition amongst women. Um, it really has an impact. It's a, it's a heavy conversation that really has kind of, put a strain on, I, I personally believe, on a lot of our relationships and our community. Um, I just wanted to understand it a little bit. Do you have any background of why that's such a huge part of us as a people, like our relationships, that it, it always goes there with our, you know, that conversation is always a part of everything. And I don't see that in other communities. I can't speak for the the circle um, that you're in. I don't know how it looks there, but what I would say mm -hmm. is I would question the quality of the conversation. Okay. Right. I, 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 from the conversations that I see, uh, um, yeah, I would question the quality of the conversation and who's having the conversation. And again, to get back. So the first thing is what are those conditions? Right. Mm -hmm. I would question would those conditions express themselves, whether it is a uh, monogamous relationship or a polygamous relationship. Right. When it comes to sisters, I, I, I think that underlying condition, conditional self-acceptance has to be addressed and it's going to show itself whichever way. Right. The relationship is. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, uh, you know, a polygamous relationship definitely can exacerbate whatever issues are already there. Um, but I, again, I would question the quality of the conversations. And I think those conversations need to happen because, but they need to be constructive. And I think we need to have, again, I think we need to have some criteria. We need to have a set of criteria that are just commonplace. Right. Like you can't, um, I will, I personally am not, so sister speaking, I am not against polygamy. 
but she has the right to be, but I'm not against polygamy, but if I'm going to engage in it, I need these criteria to be met. These are the characteristics that need to be there. If that's not there, there's need, there's no need to have a discussion. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Like, like some of this, you know, brothers and sisters, we bring on ourselves. Some brothers just, you don't have enough financial ability to be able to take on two families. You don't have the emotional maturity to take on two women. Right. Mm. I, so the the I I'm not a, I'm I don't find the discussion problematic. I find what's problematic who we decide to have it with, and the quality of it. Right. I have I, I you know I've had situations, and I, I would just say like clients who will rush into a relationship because they have a son and the belief is I have to have someone there for my son as a mentor, as a guy. I need a man, a male figure in my my son's life. Right. Okay. But you need, what you want though is a good quality mentor, guy, male figure in your son's life. Right. Right. That's what the goal is. Not just a man in your in your son's life. Right. Mm. So we have to be we have to be nuanced about the conversation. Mm-hmm. If that if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, right? And and, and so yeah. no, it makes a lot. And so for me, whether it's whether it's a polygamous marriage or a monogamous marriage, like be nuanced and 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 logical. Are certain criteria checked off? And if not, there's no need to have a conversation. But also we have to acknowledge, we unfortunately, there are sisters within our community that do, unfortunately, because of our negligence, need support. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and I'll keep this under a minute. The reality is, think about, you can tell me, because I, I was, I, I didn't get a chance to, to search. Yesterday, a bunch of white nationalists went to the Capitol buildings in different states. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, your president that you probably voted for, um, <laughs> he sent out the whistle to all of them to go out and liberate their states. Right. Like, mm. did you see any Muslim leaders emergency zoom meeting we're going to discuss this protect our community right no right? it's been but we but we don't right but 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 let's prepare for ramadan and no no knock against that but the focus is just right. prepare for ramadan fasting you know uh prayer like you can flip a book for that but who in your community is single with kids mm. What's the protection plan for them? Right, right. See, we we inherit this inherited beliefs. Our understanding is completely foreign, literally. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't deal with the issues. Exactly. Really with our yeah. How many? Yeah. How many scholars right now are you seeing that are addressing the political issue? We're in this situation. COVID nineteen is a political issue. Right. 
So that's that's the that's the point. So what I, my point is, it doesn't have to be solved by polygamy. I'm not saying that at all, but it's just right. the reality that we have within our communities sisters and children that need a positive, uh, strong male figure in their lives. What not need, mm-hmm. but it would be it would be preferable to have uh, that figure in their lives. Right. I don't want to say need because reality is they don't have to have it. And that's an important point to make, because if you tell yourself you need it, you need it, you need it. That would then lead to the depression and anxiety when you don't have it. Mm. Right. And so that's another point. So another technique for your audience to remember is we want to make sure we don't place demands on ourselves, others or life conditions. OK. Right. No demands. The reality is we prefer A, B and C. But if we don't get A, B and C, it is not the end of the world. Right. So we shouldn't treat it as the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Because when we do, then the anxiety happens, then the depression happens. Right. Lastly, what I say is I, I, I encourage clients, I, I give them a catastrophe scale. And on the catastrophe scale, you, you rate catastrophes. So one may be, you know, stumping my toe in the dark. Two may be spilling coffee on my shirt. Uh, Twelve, I mean, ten might be a nuclear bomb drops. Right. So it's important to have that scale from one to ten, because then that allows you to in the moment. Plug in the particular situation at the moment. So my boss is speaking to me in a manner that I don't like, that I believe disrespectful. I want to plug it into my catastrophe scale so that I don't respond at the level of a 10 when really it's a four, right? right? So for example, my, my catastrophe scale, number five might be an accident, right? Mm-hmm. My boss yelling at me is not me, is not the level of accident. It's probably a three or four, right? Yeah. But it's not a five. It's not a seven or eight in my scale, Right. So six may be my spouse asking for a divorce, right? Mm-hmm. Your boss yelling at you, is it at a six? Right. But having that scale allows you to then respond emotionally at the level of your scale. Because oftentimes what we do, especially as men, is we respond to a, a, you know, a two or a three to the degree of a 10. Right. Mm-hmm. I know you've heard it, you know, a, a, a mouse in the, in, in the neighborhood, but a lion at home, right? Behind closed right. doors, you know, everything gets the response of 10, anger and rage. Where in reality, it's, it's, a, it's a three, it's a two, or maybe not even something that deserves uh, you to get angry about. Something that's just an annoyance. Mm. So that's, that's the point of the scale. The, so a five and below would be annoyance and irritation and frustration. And that allows you to keep your tone and your word, your wording at a level that is constructive to the conversation. But when you get up to the anger and rage level, then the tone and the response is not constructive. So is what I'm thinking right now, what I'm feeling in line with my goals? If not, let me de-escalate from anger down to just irritation and frustration, which is healthy. It's healthy for me to be annoyed and frustrated. I shouldn't be happy about something that is wrong. But frustration and annoyance allows me to be in a constructive negative negative emotion to be able to respond assertively. Something that I won't regret later. Right, right. 
That's powerful. That scale, that scale is really powerful. It's actually, I've never actually um, yeah. actually heard I, I, of that. I, I encourage people to do it with their notes. Yeah. Do it on your notes yeah. on your phone and then take a screenshot of it so then you have it in your phone. So whenever you're in that meeting and, you're, and you're, you're, your boss is uh, going in or you're at home and your husband comes home and he's in a mood, you automatically you just flip through your phone to your scale and like, okay. Because see, what that does is that breaks up the moment. That right there allows you to have those uh, three deep breaths, those five deep breaths to be able to look at your scale. I don't like mm. this. It is wrong, right? There's a difference between acceptance and approval. I accept reality, but I don't approve of it. Reality right. is you came home in a bad mood and you are lashing out at me. I accept that. I acknowledge that that is happening, but I don't approve of it. Mm. Right. Cause you don't want to mm -hmm. get into stuck in denial, right? Except right. what transpires, whatever that may be, but that doesn't mean that you approve of it. That doesn't mean that you validate it, that you endorse it and that you would want it to happen again. Yeah. And, you know, um, that's that's really powerful advice. And I know that we're coming to a closer episode, but I don't want us to finish this without you dropping some really real tips that we can use to really practice the art of stillness, um, calming the mind, thinking about what we're putting into our bodies um, and what that what is some really good advice for us um, to kind of take on far as lifestyle change? So um, let me give you two and you, if I don't, don't mention them, please remind me. So one would be uh, stillness through meditation and the other would be diet. I'll start with diet first. Um, so for nearly three years, I have been on a plant-based diet. Hmm. I made that transition for political reasons. I, I love the animals, but that just being straightforward, I, I'm not, it's not because of animals. It's, I watched a movie called What the Health. And for me, it wasn't so much about the statistics and all of the claims that they made. There is a segment within that movie where there is an African-American family that lives across from a pig farm. And if you ever just go back and look at that one scene, man, it shook me to my core. I mean, the kid just has this look on his face when this truck zooms by their house. And the mother is she's giving the interview on the porch and she's just talking about the smell that seeps into their house. They can't have cookouts. They can't be out in gatherings because of the smell of the dead carcasses of the pigs from the pig farm across. And that just, to me, it was, it, it just, it just started me thinking about food insecurity and just our communities and just the exploitation around food. And so that then led me to thinking more and researching more. And so my, my, what I would suggest your audience does is do their own research. You don't have to go to a plant-based diet, but you have yeah. to, you have to make a transition to, Food choices that, again, go back to your goals, your values, and your purpose, right? What is what I'm consuming right now? What I'm consuming right now, is it in line with my goals, my values, and my purpose? And this, I chose consuming intentionally because it can be what I'm consuming through reading, through hearing, and through eating. We're talking about eating in this particular case, but 
what I'm consuming? Is it in line with my goals? Is it going to give my body the energy it needs? Is it going to move me towards my goals, my values, and my purpose? If not, I need to adjust. And I, and and this diet, uh, this lifestyle has been, uh, I have no regrets. Absolutely no regrets. It has been life-altering, one of the best decisions up there uh, that, I, that I have made in life. Um, so diet is critical. We have to get off that slave diet. I mean, that plantation food that we have been conditioned into and inherited is, is not serving us. We have to be honest about how we got our eating habits and then questioning, again, just like inherited beliefs, does this work for me, for my unique life? Does this diet serve me or not? If not, mm. you got to change it. Right? right. So that's one thing. Diet is is critical. Uh, the second thing would be uh, the meditation piece. But before that, another thing came to mind, I want to really make a point is please, mm-hmm. we have to remember to look for excellence in people, not perfection. Mm-hmm. And that's critical because we can move through our day and disregard the excellence in others and in ourselves because we see the imperfection. Right. And that's critical for us to not do that. And I, and I say that because, again, you know, one of the examples is Elijah Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Elijah Muhammad had an elementary education and was able to build an economic empire. He was able to, to give voice, to give power, to give a spirit and awaken the people that America had disregarded and locked up in cages with an elementary education. Now, regardless of whatever we may believe are his imperfections, what is the excellence we can take from him, especially as a community that needs economic empowerment? So how do we look and tease out things from him that we can take? Right? So that's one thing. Always look for excellence, not perfection. The other thing is, is in terms of of stillness. Um, I, and I want to demystify this. I came to stillness through a robbery attempt. Um, uh, moments before, uh, uh, I was leaving a friend's house. Uh, I was leaving an apartment complex at that time. Uh, my mother due to choices I was making in my life had asked me to leave home. So I moved in with some friends Unfortunately, we were involved in activities we shouldn't have been involved in. And as I was coming out of the apartment complex, um, it was one in the morning, 12 in the morning, and everything got quiet. All of the thoughts in my head, everything became background noise. All that was going on the street, the cars going by, it just all became background noise. And But what I did hear is a voice that said to me, this is not your hood. Straighten up. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was as clear as you and I talking to each other. And right. less than three feet, you know, I moved, I went forward towards my car. Somebody comes out from the front of the car. Another guy comes out, puts a gun to my head. So 
that though was not new to me in terms of guns and that lifestyle. So what I took away from that though, and what altered the trajectory of my life was, what was that beforehand? That was the question that stuck that stood with me. What was that experience that happened prior to the robbery? Where I was able to silence everything. Mm-hmm. And that to me is when I say stillness, you can use techniques of medication of meditation, but meditation you can be you can do that while you're walking, while you're at work, while you're in the car. It's a matter of just pausing coming back to your breath or coming back to a mantra, I can, which I have one out release very soon. Um, coming back to a mantra, coming back to your breath and quieting the noise and then moving from that space. So when I mentioned earlier, the three C's, the catch it, check it, change it. Once you go into that space of stillness, you can then go into uh, you can then go into checking the thoughts, right? That's that's where that stillness comes in. When I say look at your uh, your catastrophe scale, looking at your list, that's the stillness. That's pausing. That's taking the deep breaths. Right? You don't have to be on a cushion on the floor, right? It doesn't have to be only when you're in yoga or at the end of your yoga practice or at the beginning of your yoga practice that you're able to tap into stillness. It can happen at any time. It can happen at your desk, just taking a pause and checking in. So that, again, we can go in. Uh, I'll have actually this week, I'm going to post a a meditation that people can follow. Um, so I would say that uh, if I can, lastly, there's some books I would just recommend. Can I recommend those? Do we have time for a recommendation? Um, yeah, quick one. Very yeah. quick. So, <laughs> yeah. so actually, so it's, it's McMindfulness. It's, uh, it, uh, that's one text, uh, for those that have been in, uh, domestic or verbal abuse, a critical text is the secret of overcoming verbal abuse, uh, by Albert Ellis and Marcia Powers, um, and two books by, um, uh, Uh, Albert Ellis, How to Control Your Anger Before It Controls You. Another one is Control Your Anxiety. And lastly, 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 I would highly recommend you get a text called Quotations from Chairman Omali Yeshatela. We have to get political education. You have to get a political education. It's just, it's in all of those that we, we venerate, Malcolm X, King, Du Bois, Asada Shakur, Carmi Torre, all of them, Bobby Seale, Fred Hampton, Patrice Newman, Franz Fountain, all of those had political education. We love Malcolm. Yes, he was Muslim, but what brought us to Malcolm was his ability to analyze our, our political situation in America. Our social economic situation in America, he tied it to our political analysis. One of our problems is we don't have political analysis, which is evident as what the question I mentioned to you earlier. You had those white supremacists that go to the Capitol and there was no political analysis by any of our leaders that I know of. I hope it was no political analysis uh, yesterday or your day, no political analysis and no steps what our community will do. Because if Trump is saying you need to liberate your state, who you think they think they need to go out and attack? 
Right. It ain't themselves. It's the people that they've been attacking since 1416. Mm. Mm. Right? So so it's 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 important. It is it's important to to get political education because we're under assault. And the sooner we acknowledge that we are people that are under assault, um Last book, Medical Apartheid. You have to get that. And as soon as we acknowledge that we are under assault, we then will move differently. Right? We have to move differently. If we don't move differently, then we're going to continue to get the same thing we've been getting. Mm. Mm. Well, let me just say this, um, that you dropped some serious, <laughs> serious knowledge um, and and one of the things I really appreciate and why I was like highly anticipating this conversation is because like how you don't separate emotional and mental health from like you like that piece on political activism and that piece piece on political education and how it's interrelated. You know, I know that, you know, a lot of times I think even in our Muslim communities, we try to separate it. Like you said, even religion from political activism, we separate it a lot. But I appreciate you integrating it and, and allowing it to make sense for us. Yeah, we've been catching um, hell. Yeah. I mean, that's the, yeah. the rea- that's the reality of it. And we have to acknowledge that. And that's the horizontal balance. But that's I don't want to, to run over at the time. But that's another thing that we have to look at, because if a people have been under assault and we're talking about mental and emotional health, this is the thing. This is the rub that you'll really get the hate mail from. A lot of our counselors within our community will not acknowledge politics because they don't want to lose favor with those in our community that we go back to get funding from. Right. Right. We want to be able to go to the other side of town to get funding, but we want to be able to do that. We want to engage in a political analysis because the people we get funding from, in most cases, you know, are having tea and rubbing shoulders with those who are, uh, those who have assaulted us, uh, politically, emotionally, and economically. Mm. Right? So mm. you just can't. So, yeah, I went to Columbia. Yeah, that's that's nice. But a Columbia education is not going to be the education, counseling or otherwise, that my people need. Because they're not talking about politics. They're not talking about a liberating revolutionary politics at all. They're just talking about it. You know, how do we get at the table so we can get a uh, a, a, a a nice comfortable slice of the pie and table. But no, we need a revolutionary politics, a revolutionary mental health and counseling because this system doesn't work for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it hasn't. Yeah, it hasn't. It hasn't. And, you know, like I said, and it, that's what really deeply impacts um, our mental health and the trauma that we experience and I, how it shows up. I, I know, I know, I know. Please forgive me. Cause look what Go we ahead. just please, please forgive me. But look what we just look what we just got into. Right now, right. we 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 have been bamboozled into now voting for Joe Biden, and he attacked a black woman, Anita Hill, when she was talking about being assaulted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we follow, but we but you know, again, the Muslims who we get our funding from, unfortunately, not all, but oftentimes. You know, the communities, some community, some, not all, that we that we we go to, unfortunately, um, we are in line with 
with, with whatever they say politically instead of assessing our own situation for us. And we need to assess that. Capitalism has never worked for us. Our leaders have never said that. Angela Davis, Sada Shakur, Malcolm X, Martin King, all of them, Audre Lorde, wow, Stephen Beagle, all of our all of our greats were anti-capitalists. But we as mm. we as Muslims won't even talk about politics. Mm. But I'll stop because I want to respect the time and you know what. No, but I appreciate it. I think think that it's, you know, hopefully, inshallah, we can have you back to have a part two just to kind of go more into this topic um, because, you know, it's it's necessary and we need to have these conversations. So I just want to I just want to acknowledge you and just show my appreciation for you taking the time out, sharing your expertise, um, really educating and empowering me personally. And I'm sure many other women that will be listening um, to this conversation. So thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much. And And so I wanted to, yeah, go ahead. You wanted to say something? Oh yeah. We want to, okay, let's, let's, before we end this, let's make sure. And I will put this information in um, my description of the podcast, but I still want you to drop information. Like we talked about the women that may need that coach, that mentor, how can they get in contact with you? So, uh, Two things. I'll drop that. And then I also have to give you Asada Shakur as a as a final quote from me. But so they can find me on Instagram at Nasir Alamin, N-A-S-I-R-A-L-A-M-I-N. And my website is the same, NasirAlamin.com. So on Instagram and um, at my website, I also have a podcast, Align and Defy. Um, and I'll be posting a meditation within the coming days, as well as a mantra that we can use. And I will lastly, quickly just say a quote by Asada Shakur. She says, dreams and reality are opposites. Dreams and reality are opposites. Action synthesizes them. So we have to make sure that whatever we gain, if there's any benefit in this uh, talk that I've given, uh, that we put it into action, whatever little bit that you can take from this, please, uh, put it in action. And the reason why I say that is a quote by Audre Lord. She says, if I didn't define myself for myself, if I didn't define myself for myself, I would be crunched into the, into other people's fantasies for me and eaten alive. We have to define ourselves for ourselves. And we do that by controlling the narrative. So mm, I hope I there you go. that Yeah, no, no, no. Those quotes are absolutely powerful. Um, something that we need, probably need to put on our walls. But I definitely appreciate you. And I appreciate you dropping that information. So sisters, please look him up. You know, brothers too, as well. Please, brothers. But, um, please, brothers. Yeah, please. Yeah, I'm brothers, about to come out with a course, How to Control Your Emotions. It, it'll be out probably next week. Please. It's open okay. to brothers and sisters. Please, brothers, join the course, man. Join the course. Uh, and and like and, and please know that your community, I have no problem if if the sisters down there want to have a, 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 a weekend, uh, I can allocate a day where... I can spend an hour or two just going through the same thing that I just mentioned here in more detail. Uh, I have no problem doing that for the community down there. Um, That's not a problem at all. Would love to uh, be of assistance. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. We hope to follow up with you in that regard. And I wanted to just send um, some love to the listeners. Thank you so much for listening to the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. Please continue to follow us and subscribe on our platforms. Um, please look us up on Facebook or for our Facebook group. I still keep getting like mad requests from dudes. But brothers, <laughs> it is just for women, um, um, the Facebook group. But I do appreciate all of you guys. Um, this has been another dope episode. And this is our first official episodes. I'm super, super happy. MashaAllah. I hope you guys enjoy it. Please give me feedback. I'll share it with the brother. Inshallah. Thank you so much for listening. I hope to catch you guys next time. Assalamu alaikum.